Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7 2. Episode 48, the final episode of this podcast. We're covering the last 10 minutes, 81 through 90, 90 and change on Howling 2. And uh, we're wrapping it all up here. And we're starting off with Howling 2, as we always have. And uh, we last left, where do we last leave? Oh, um, uh, Ben was freeing Jenny. That priest had been killed and the demon was kind of crawling into him and all over him and all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, Stefan had entered the main hall with Sterba and there was a lot of inner monologue going on. Let me play a couple. Uh, actually, I'm not going to play anything. I'm going to pause and then I'm going to talk about the last 10 minutes. Go go away. Listen to the uh, listen. Watch the last 10 minutes. I'll be back. Yeah. This it's it's interesting because um. Much of this is credits. Where the ten and a half minutes here, I'd say five minutes of it is credits, and the credits are basically um, some of it is just the black um, uh, black background with you know white letter white lettering strolling by, but some of it is that band the band playing their song the howling, with the little bit of guitar action and guitar action the guy singing in the electronic drums, intercut with random shots from the film, and this is of course the classic sequence where. Um, that bit where Sybil Danning tears her top off and gets her boobs out. We see that shot at least a dozen times. I forget, someone's written down how many times. I started to count and then kind of thought, ah, someone else has done this. 12 times, 10 times, 14 times, something like that. It just keeps cutting to her, and you just hear like, and there's her top off again. And after a while, it starts to intercut like random characters re- sort of responding. Now, obviously, when she tore her top off, she was in the room and watching those other two werewolves, people becoming werewolves and fooling around. So there was no one else there but those three. But it keeps cutting to random shots of, like all the other characters going, huh? Hey, huh? At one point, Christopher Lee, you know, does the sign of the cross, you know, all, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And goofing around is what it is. And sort of the there's quite a bit of goofing around this last bit because you see um after we leave the castle when Sturba and Stefan have met for one last time you see that damn festival still going on out in the street and Jenny and, and Ben are, are going down there and Jenny her face and neck is just covered with blood and Ben and Jenny go up onto the stage where a band is playing and he puts the gun to like the fiddler's head or something like that and says what's the quickest way to the airport and the guy points with the bow behind him and Ben gets a smile on his face and then it cuts to a plane and then they're back in LA and it's Halloween oddly enough so that means Howling 2 ends at Halloween and Howling 7 takes place around Halloween so hey that's pretty neato bonito huh I like that and and really the scene uh, ben and Jenny run out of the castle they shoot one more werewolf and they're gone but the, but the rest of that is just the scene between um Stefan slowly strolling in as you get inner monologue about destroying Sturba and then Sturba has some inner monologue about calling forth evil to stop Stefan uh, and you see Sturba as her old self again and um, it's implied that uh, I think she she calls him her he's their steps siblings and it's implied that they may have doodle diddled around at one point and um, slowly they approach one another and um, then um, she she shoots out some energy rays and bolts at at Stefan, which is fun. And then Stefan stabs her, and suddenly they're both on fire, and they're dead. And as they burn up and fall to the ground, and as that's happening, uh, we cut to that dummy of the priest, and the demon is like crawling out of his mouth. Poor guy, N- not going to get a break. But 
the movie ends and um the big climactic scene this isn't very climactic it just sort of happens i guess the big climactic scene is what the fight out in the woods we talked about in the previous episode where they shoot up like a dozen 15 werewolves something like that i guess that's the big climactic scene and this is just there's not much it's just stefan show i mean it's stefan shows up and within three minutes it's over so it's not a big climactic crazy thing i'm wondering if they ran out of money they ran out of time something like that i don't know but it's 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 not it's not huge and climactic and crazy it just sort of happens and and again as with i think blackenstein this movie wasn't really helped by going minute by minute and that's my apology some films like i think howling new moon rising is kind of fun minute by minute because it's just so goofball what's happening in it and all this time with the people in pioneer town and going back and forth and flashbacks to other films and things but howling 2 isn't really helped by it um I think going by minute, minute as I was going, just kind of slowed it down and took too much out of context and made it less interesting than it should have been. Um, because now, I, I getting to the end of it, I'm like, I don't really need to watch Howling Two again, and uh, and it wasn't it wasn't as much fun as it was normally going through. And I, I hesitate to say that, you know, because you've just joined joined me on this journey. But I remember Howling Two being really crazy. And it wasn't all that crazy, was it? I mean, there was some gore here and there. There was some nudity. There were some hairy people fooling around a little menage a trois in a bed. But, but it wasn't really that crazy. Um, and then the closing scene with Ben and Jenny, or ben, is it Ben? I forget. I forget completely. Forgot what his name was. Um, where they are in uh, apartment in L.A. and suddenly it's Halloween and there's a um, uh, 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 knock at the door and it's it's um, probably the best werewolf makeup in the movie kid doing a trick-or-treating and then they they think it's their neighbor their neighbor's a really weird priest who clearly is from czechoslovakia or Romania, whatever the hell they shot the movie and um then the movie ends with them kind of where he says i hope to see you later and then he goes in his apartment the two of them look at each other red brown says you know oh much later and they kind of sneak out of there as we kind of get a triangular wipe across the screen we see a werewolf at house we kind of moon iris out on it and the credits roll so I think sort of that ending mixed with the boobs coming out again and again and again um, shows that Philip Moore I don't think was taking this terribly seriously although I feel that Gary Bradner was probably taking this very seriously as he didn't like the way I, I still love that that he didn't like the way that Joe Dante and John Sayles handled his <laughs> handled his first book okay sure but yeah that's that's Howling 2 Your Sister's a Werewolf everyone taken the way I, I done the way I did it you can, don't do it this way <laughs> don't do it this way thank you for joining me and we're going to go on to Howling New Moon Rising which I, like I said is more conducive to this so where do we leave off with Howling New Moon Rising we left off with um, Ted is in the room and I guess it's dusk and they're thinking he's going to turn the werewolf and Jaro is dead the cop isn't convinced that Ted is the werewolf Marie has been killed um and uh the priest i guess is less convinced than he was previously that um that ted is the um the killer and uh yeah so 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 this is the climax of the film so let us go uh here's another pause and then we'll talk about the pause and then we'll talk about howling uh the end of howling new moon rising after this pause the film is dedicated to the memory of Claude Pappy Allen, a true country and western legend. So Pappy was um, 
he died soon after the uh they shot the movie there poor um poor harriet poor harriet i, I wonder if she's still alive she might be uh, and then after that credit, there, there, there's one that's credit near the end. There's another credit that is, the events depicted in this motion picture are fictitious. The characters depicted in Pioneer Town are real. And how can you tell that? I've said before, the, the movie I think this um, most um, is most similar to in my mind is, um, and I love uh, supervising editor Clive Turner, uh, accountant Clive Turner, CPA. <laughs> All right. Um, that's not easy to become a CPA. You got to do a lot of work there, so that's that's kind of fun. Um, uh, Clive Turner does a lot on this movie, and um, I forget what I was saying. I oh, is uh, the the Curse of the Headless Horseman? Go and watch Curse of the Headless Horseman. That has a similar thing where a lot of a lot of people who I'm sure are friends of the producer writer of the movie uh, being in their own. I haven't watched Curse of the Headless Horseman in a while. Gosh, I would like to watch that again. That's a that's a fun one, and obviously it has. There are a couple of actual proper actors in it. You'll recognize them. Like I said, the main the I like I said I said this a long long time ago. The main guy you'll recognize, but everyone else is sort of friends of the producer kind of thing. And this has that same kind of feeling. One of the way you can tell is the fact that when you get to the credits, all when you see the names of all the characters, the first names of all the actors are more or less the same. So. I'll point out here we have some things like cast in order speaking speaking parts in order of appearance because the the final um uh three minutes of the the movie uh take place back back in pioneer town on stage and, and harriet singing a song and pappy's nearby with like a coonskin hat on and, and Cl- uh, clive turner well clive turner ted joins him in the end and sings along and it's fun to see, and the camera's kind of downright with them. As it's normally kind of a distance away uh, with these scenes, but this one is kind of right in there with them. Although there is a strange moment when it cuts to shot of Pappy leaning against a post, and there's a guy behind him with a guitar, and the way the guitar is sticking out, it looks like it's sticking out of Pappy, which is really odd. Uh, but it's a, it's a fun, um, it's a fun tune, and uh, that's how it ends. And then it goes to closing credits, where we get some of the music from the film. Uh, but but then the first uh, what five minutes or so is the wrap up bit where we learn that Cheryl was the werewolf, and we get her turning into the werewolf in some very early, very dodgy CGI, and the werewolf sort of mask, and the werewolf the CGI is really hilariously bad, and the werewolf in yellow in a yellow blouse leaps through the the the, the door of I guess Cheryl's house. She has a nice house. Um, but it is implied that the Cheryl there was originally a Cheryl, and now somehow she's kind of shape shifted into this Cheryl, so she's using her house. And the, when the werewolf leaps through the door, that's the longest stretch we see the werewolf. But the whole town is out there with guns and I guess shoot her to pieces, kind of thing. And um, but but the the werewolf when the werewolf leaps out, if the werewolf didn't have the yellow blouse on, it's not a not a bad werewolf thing. But but whatever whatever that is that's inside the house when it changes when she changes into the werewolf is not the same werewolf we saw earlier when the cop gets killed. That's a different maybe it's from a took that from a different movie. I don't know. But the uh, when Cheryl like CGI's into the werewolf, it's not good. Hilariously, so it is not good, but I like. I, I don't know. I find it quite charming. So she turns into the werewolf, and, and again, there's a weird moment in this um, where um, uh, they they catch the werewolf out. They catch Cheryl out, and they put um, blanks in her rifle. So when she goes to the well, well what it is, what is they um, uh, 
the guy with the mullet there who's playing guitar, he has the rifle. He gives it to the priest. The priest says he's been, when Cheryl shows up, says he's been beat up by Ted and gives Cheryl the rifle. And the rifle the whole time has blanks in it because they know it's eventually going to end up in the, the werewolf's hands and she's going to try to shoot Ted, but it's blanks. And then the detective walks in, detective played by John Ramston, walks in, and it's great because the detective walks in, then they, they ask Cheryl, they talk to Cheryl, and then Cheryl's talking to them, and Cheryl stands up and she's got handcuffs on. It's like, where the handcuffs come from? This film was edited in such an odd fashion so i just want to go through the names here real quick just yeah, detective john ramson i guess detective is the detective our main detective he doesn't even get a name ernie is ernest kester i'm not 100 percent sure who ernie is i think he's the guy with the bandana at the bar ted is clive turner father john john huff mary lou elizabeth she i'm not 100 percent sure who mary lou is oh mary jack oh here we go jacqueline jacqueline armitage jim Jim Lozano, Bob, I think Bob is the guy on the guitar with the mullet, Bob, Robert Morwell, Brock, Jim Brock, hey, Cheryl, Cheryl Allen, Evan, Sally Harkham, I think Evan is um the, the gal that, that Ted likes, Pappy, Claude, Pappy Allen, Harriet, Harriet Allen, Cheryl Allen, is that their daughter? I never, I never noticed that, Bonnie, Bonnie Lagasa, Jack, Jack Holder, Leslie, Leslie Anderson. Let's just check that. I think there are a few more cast members here, or not. Dolores, Dolores Silver, Joro, Joro Prikopsky, Brett, Brett Owens, Gary, Gary Ham, Michelle, Michelle Stiles, Joel, Joel Harkerman, Carl, Carl Lagasa, Larry, Larry Gutierrez, Sybil, Sybil Ramsden, and Romy Walthall as Marie Adams. See, there you go. So, so this was really about Clive Turner do it using the Howling franchise to uh, make a love letter to the people of Pioneer Town, and it works. That's what it is. It's just not really a Howling film, but that's okay because I love it to pieces. And I'm going to stop and give my DVDR from the Laserdisc a rest because it's one of those DVDRs that doesn't have chapters. So every time I, I went to a minute, I had to fast forward through the entire movie, and the, it's starting to freeze up on me a little bit at the end here. So, eh. What are you going to do? I'm going to put the disc away, and it's going to sit quietly, and it's not going to end. I'm going to try to get the Howling 2 disc out of that Blu-ray player. and That's Howling New Moon Racing. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. I love how the last 20 minutes or so, or last 20, 25 minutes are just so um, nuts with all the stuff happening, and it's like, what's going on? It's all over the place, and it's crazy, and then this and that and the other thing, and it isn't making much sense. But basically, yeah, the um, I guess, what was it? Did, did the werewolf escape from... I, th I think the, the link to four is Marie Adams. The werewolf in five is not a werewolf from four, I don't think. But the werewolf from five, like, gets Mary Lou, and Mary Lou becomes Cheryl after a time and passes through part six at one point, and then we all end up in part seven. And it's funny because, like, like I've said before, four is kind of underwhelming. Five is actually pretty darn good as like a Ten Little Indians kind of gothic second half of the 80s kind of horror. Six was actually pretty darn good when I saw it. I, I, I quite liked it. But seven is like, if seven is meant to wrap up everything from four on, um, <laughs> it, it no one's really trying all that. I mean, I love, I, I mean, I, I guess sort of what what happens in these last minutes is is, is Ted's in the, in the room 
and the inspector, the detective, goes to talk to everyone in Pioneer Town, and he tells them, Ted's not the killer. I know who's the killer. We're going to set a trap. But somehow Cheryl isn't there. That's the thing that confuses me, because like when Cheryl shows up and gets Ted, no one's there. And, and you know, it's said later on that, well, the priest has everyone looking for you throughout the desert and everything, or, or throughout the town, but that's before Cheryl shows up. So it's like, they, how do they know... I mean, the theory the theory they sort of have is that they know the werewolf will come for Ted because Ted has to be killed in order for the werewolf to continue doing what the werewolf is doing. And it's not kind of implied how if, if Ted is killed and supposed to be the werewolf, how the werewolf is going to continue to be able to kill people in the town or maybe she'd have to leave the town, I don't know. But it's kind of implied that doing what they're doing will bring out the werewolf but isn't everyone in town there? Where's Cheryl? Why is Cheryl not there? Cheryl, we've seen. Cheryl works in the restaurant. She worked behind the bar. She worked in the kitchen. Um, why is she not there? And, of course, you're not supposed to really ask a question like that because it wraps up so quickly and then it goes to the song and then it ends and you're like, what? And because, like I've said, this is the one howling film that has not got past VHS Laserdisc, which is what most films came out in the late 80s, like up until around... Throughout the 90s, actually, um... No, no, yeah, throughout the 90s. I mean, it was, um, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I bought my first Laserdisc player in 2000 because Who Am I, the Jackie Chan film, came out in DVD but not Laser. So yeah, throughout the throughout the end of the 80s, throughout the 90s, most films came out on um, uh, uh, VHS and Laserdisc. And by the end of the 90s, they were also coming out in DVD. And by the early 2000s, Laserdisc had stopped. And VHS would stop by 2004, 2005 or so. And it would just be DVDs. And then, what, like 2008, nine, we get the high-def DVDs and the Blu-rays. And that's where we are now, wherever the heck we are now. And so, uh, and so yeah. the um, And it's funny because if... if Howling 7 had come out in say 1989 or 1990 it may have even not come out in Laserdisc it may have just been on um, VHS but we got lucky and it came out in Laser now it didn't come out widescreen on Laser which is too bad but maybe one day someone will put this out what's Clive Turner up to I'd like to think there's a special I can't imagine someone's not trying to put this out I mean you could see how glorious it is why not try so I'm going to stop there. That is the end of Howling 2 and 7-2, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Howling New Moon Rising, I think, went down better minute by minute than Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf did, but I think they're both fun. Will I return to this? Will I do a Howling 3, Howling 6, or, or like a, a Howling 5 and 8? I've never seen 8. You know, um, I'm definitely not going to do a 1 because I'm pretty sure someone's probably already do a 1, and 1 is probably something that should get its own, maybe a 5-minute at a time. But we got the others to do, and maybe I will come back. I haven't watched, I haven't watched three and four in ages, so maybe I will do three and four. I'm not sure, but be good to yourselves, everyone, and and thank you so much for listening. And um, feel free to finish up uh, my other two uh, concurrent, contemporaneous podcasts, uh, '70s Friends of Frankenstein and. Uh, spooky minutes spent in the ghost house are also wrapping up around this time too so feel free to enjoy them and you know let's uh let's go to transylvania and let's go to pioneer town and let's let's boogie baby listen to this (laughs) 